0: Hello, and welcome back to the Plastics Podcast. A show where three American wankers figure out whether the refing in the Premier League is corrupt, beyond belief, or just silly. You're joined by plant dad, Blair Lacrosse, just a little silly, and glass ankles, Maddie Gaylor, a career cut tragically short by injuries. <laughs> Hello. A huge week for the title race. Arsenal refuse to let Chelsea bring down the mood trick as they defeat their North London rivals, Spurs, on their home pitch for the first time since 2014. Drama, intrigue, wanton violence, scarves, own goals, and more were on display in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as L's keep on stacking for Conte's band of misfits. Won't someone put him out of his misery? In other news, the metaphysical question of what offsides or play involvement is continues to puzzle even the foremost philosophers and scientists of our time after the latest Manchester Derby. And lastly, we discuss the Brighton boys flying to the Premier League and as Liverpool fall in style. News, transfer updates, penalty kick, questions and more coming at you this episode. Busy weekend. Hey, busy, busy weekend.
1: Seeing as we're recording this late on a Monday night,
0: late on we're a Monday to night, get, up,
1: get these episodes out Mondays. We're yeah, the, get it to you as soon as possible, physically possible. This
0: this is an exception to the new rule. Uh, we all had a friend in town. We had a nice weekend while trying to balance that with as much soccer as possible, and I think we picked the right games this time.
1: For once, we broke our curse. Yeah. We watched the games that actually mattered. Um, Blair definitely saw more than we did.
0: Mm-hmm. Blair will be <laughs> having an exclusive scoop on the North Ooh. London Derby.
2: Totally unbiased analysis <laughs> given by yours truly, Arsenal super fan and neutral observer <laughs> of sporting events, Blair Lacrosse. That's me.
1: And New Plant Dad.
2: New Plant Dad. What's uh, new... what's the name? I uh, haven't come up with a name yet. We're still, we're still uh, holding off on that, um, okay. okay. kind of in the will I, won't I kill this cactus phase of plant adding. It's a pretty scary world, though. Well, it's, it's
0: good, because with into. cactuses, um, they're really hard to kill.
2: Yeah, that's why I bought a cactus, because I figured, you know what? If I forget to water this thing for a couple of weeks, that's basically what it's designed for. What so. kind is it? Um, next question. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, oh, I'll get. I'll come back to you. on that I feel like one.
0: that should be like the first question. That all right? Well, anyway, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get back to you. Uh, you guys want to break into the games this week? Let's break something. O- oh, okay, uh, yeah. Let's break uh, City's hopes this season <laughs> as they lose uh, to Manchester United. Manchester United two, Manchester City one. This was a seven thirty a.m. matchup on a Saturday morning and I forgot it, w- it was kind of a, a strange little break we had and I forgot what, it, what waking up was like but also mirroring the 5 30 wake-up times for the world cup
1: yeah those were that was like a fun bonding experience I feel like this was just more annoying
0: <laughs> watching both Manchester teams play
1: yeah and waking up at 7 30 why
0: annoying Maddie
1: um because like 5 is fun 7 30 is just like slightly earlier than you want to wake up? Mm. So
0: I will say I never want to wake up at 5.30. As ma- like as many times, if I never wake up at 5.30 again, it'll be too many times.
1: You didn't have fun?
0: I had fun, yeah. Okay. But trying to wrestle myself from sleep. Mm.
1: Yeah, the rest of the day it is It really makes me
0: respect our Pacific uh, time zone friends. They're crazy. They're crazy people. Yeah, where they wake up at 4 30 for the for the afternoon matchup can you
2: imagine being like a i guess he just wouldn't wake up like what what do you think the worst perf, like performing team that you'd still wake up at 4 34 is you know what i mean so, yeah like i know like once you're like yeah. a diehard you'll you'll probably just wake up but like can you imagine we came at 4 30 to like watch this everton, so everton th- season th- th-
0: there there is mathematically a sect of newcastle fans that live in la yeah. who haven't been Newcastle fans their entire lives yeah. and have, That's true. have moved to L.A., kind of probably fallen out with the team because they've been sucked. <laughs> so bad. And also, why would you wake up that early to watch a, some garbage performances? Exactly. Having been bought by a consortium, <laughs> I'm sorry, a wealth fund, and then turning it around, and now they have to be like, okay, well, now i got to wake up at 4.30 a.m. to watch these guys. And some of them are doing it, and I respect that.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, props to them in that regard only, I guess. (laughs) Uh, But no, yeah, getting up that early would be kind of crazy. I feel like maybe you would just try to catch the replay on one of those like spoiler free websites that you can go to, but I don't know. It's hard to do that.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like also that waking up in L.A. is also easier because it is uh, a sunny paradise. (laughs) The birds are chirping. It is like... singing
2: the heavens just opened in los angeles i hope uh, our la-based listeners are safe and dry
0: we all have you know what yeah la is all like this is too much rain we haven't (laughs) seen the sun in weeks (laughs) every ray of sunshine that pokes through i immediately get out onto my balcony and soak it up it's it's it's, brag
1: about your balcony much jeez (laughs) it's a my room gets sun 7 a.m that's it anyway
0: we're we're getting off track though. Yeah. manchester united manchester city uh i, I want to uh let's get the the big thing out of the way manchester united come back from a goal deficit after uh going yeah. down one thanks to what i believe is a jack grealish goal after a, uh, a wonderful cross by kevin de bruyne and the manner in which that uh, manchester united came back is being called into question mm. so uh bruno fernandes lays uh, in the 78th minute. So kind of like the closing act of this game. uh, He lays down a curving through ball around the defense. uh, The center back pairing for a city in this case was Nathan Ake and uh, Manila Kanji and past them uh, lies Marcus Rashford, who is running uh, and breaking lines during the pass. At the time of the pass, he was offsides. That is not in question. And he kind of slows down to get to the pass. And in doing so, blocks, I believe, Nathan Ake's path towards intercepting the ball. Marcus Rashford never touches the ball. It instead falls to uh,
2: Bruno Fernandez.
0: I'm sorry, yeah, I said Bruno Fernandez. Yeah. Casemiro passes it, it falls to Bruno Fernandez's feet. Yeah. And he easily enough puts it in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. Big, big, uh, big call here because on the one hand, the City players were arguing Marcus Rashford blocked Nathan Ake's uh, path to uh, intercepting the ball. United players arguing Marcus Rashford never touched the ball. And then the commentators were like, okay, well, now this is about being involved in the play. Yeah. What does that mean? And yeah. this is all happening while the refs are just kind of milling around. I don't think it ever actually went to VAR review for the ref on the field. They, VAR called in, told the ref in the earpiece and the ref was like, okay, you got it, bam, let's go. Yeah, And they, the goal stood. My question to both of you is, thoughts? Um,
2: Maddie, you go. You got thoughts come spewing out of your
1: I mouth. do. I think, two, I have two thoughts. One, Man United were on a break of good form in the second half. Um, city had a mental lapse and they were letting United take control. So even if this goal was called off, there's not, it's not to say that man United couldn't have scored another one, but literally the next game we watched the Liverpool game, we watched, there was a play where, I think it was Trent Alexander Arnold was offsides when the ball deflected. He was letting the ball go out of bounds and he was called offsides. He never touched the ball. He was offsides when it was deflected and they called offsides. So, and there was no defenders around him. Mm-hmm. So why in that scenario was he involved in the play, but Rashford blocking two defenders pals thinking he's going to touch the ball. Right. Is he not in the play? Things have been called back for so much more or so much less than what he did to the ball. I get he didn't touch right. it, but he was fucking right there.
0: Yeah. Uh, I coincidentally happening the same game weekend too. So yeah. It game- seems to
2: happen. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it does seem to happen quite often. We're like, huh, that was kind of controversial. Hope we never see that again. And then like literally the next like game, it's like, okay, so like that's how the, this these guys are going to call this. Um, so yeah, again, uh tap the <laughs> tap the sign
0: they spin the wheel of calls yeah
2: there's no uniformity in the calls and officiating not not <laughs> um yeah i think there's this rule a couple of things a story and a, a, a statement there's a rule in nfl football in football uh called ineligible receiver downfield and this usually happens when like an offensive lineman gets like past the line of scrimmage like five yards and like they become a wide receiver by the rules. I don't know. I've never really understood this, but this is what it is. I think Marcus Rashford was an ineligible receiver downfield.
0: I <laughs> he, mean he was ineligible to receive yes, the ball, yes. Exactly in the most literal sense. Yes. Yeah.
2: And I think like they should have thrown a flag and it should have been a fifteen yard penalty. <laughs> <laughs> um so I I think it's what's weird about this is that it does feel like if Marcus Rashford was if he was in a similar position but in the box and involved in the play, that probably would have been called back. Like if he's if he's screening, um, if he's screening the keeper, those are called back all the time for being offsides for being involved in the play. So I I don't really see the difference here, and I do think that this is kind of a loophole in the rules. Um, actually, interestingly, Liverpool did this a few times to to Arsenal in our match, our first match this season. Um, where they sort of dared and it actually resulted in a goal because Gabriel tries to play the ball and it plays the Liverpool player onside, um, in doing so. And, and so it sort of dares the defender to either stick to the offside trap, um, and wait for the flag to come up or to, you know, call their own number and say like, I'm going to make this defensive play and just kind of be sure of myself. And I think that's, that's a weird position to be in as a defender for sure. Um, And it's like, they didn't play to the whistle. So here's my story. When I was playing football in sixth grade.
0: (laughs) NFL football. Yeah,
2: um, I played Jets football. And (laughs) there was a play that I remember where I was, I was in the backfield, I was a linebacker and I was chasing around the uh, line of scrimmage. There was a a running back running with the ball and the quarter ended in the middle of the play. And I was chasing him and chasing him and I was going to catch him. And then the quarter ended and they blew the, uh, the air horn and I stopped running but the play doesn't stop <laughs> the clock stops stop. capital offense stop. yeah. and so these the defenders here they they kind of assume the offsides and they they sort of stop the play and then fernandez sort of sneaks between them and capitalizes and scores
0: what happens to you and the quarterback though
2: the guy the guy scored
0: i think okay so a touchdown yeah. but isn't
1: yeah. them assuming that he will be called offsides him interfering with the offsides call so yeah. So, but
0: this this is why I this like this is one of those things where I agree with the current state of rules is is that when you have a situation like this and you are continuing the play and you let the play go on just to see where it ends up so that the flow of the game can't be stopped that I think is exactly the kind. of of rule that was designed for this exact situation. So yeah, if Bruno Fernandes had scored, the way the rules are as written, raw, the goal probably should not have stood. Yeah. It's tough because you can't really define involved in the play well. It's not something that you can just clearly and in- clear cut draw a line like you would offsides.
2: It's like the definition yeah. of obscenity yeah. jacob you know it when you see it
0: exactly and so when we try to determine whether or not and like just approaching this only as a rules lawyer and not as a fan of the game uh <laughs> where we try to determine or whether you pass
1: the bar oh no,
0: <laughs> well, i'm not cleared to practice in manchester that's for sure it's and only when, bird law when we just disc- <laughs> when we try to discern whether or not marcus rashford was involved in the play and we look like if we just take a freeze frame, right? Mm-hmm. We see center backs trying to get to the ball. Marcus Rashford's body is literally in front of them <laughs> blocking their path. Not involved. To the ball. At all. So he's not involved with the ball, but he's involved with the play for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really unfortunate for this specific scenario because if I was a fan of a team that's vying for the champion, uh, like the first place in the Premier League, and this sort of thing happens, I would not shut up about it for the rest of the season. And I think City fans, while you know, everyone feels some way about those who support Manchester City at the moment, (laughs) I think they are entitled to a lot of grievances right. here yes because i would be so frustrated if that happened that's to one point that's three points on the table while they're chasing arsenal right now yeah and i think everyone would agree that if that happened to their team in a situation like this yeah they would be as obnoxious as possible for as long as possible to make sure people know what happened
2: no our, yeah arsenal twitter would never stop talking about it ever
0: there is a certain section of Arsenal fans that would be insufferable for a long time after that. Yes. Talking about yeah. the
1: the section like this third of the table?
0: If if <laughs> Arsenal were chasing Manchester <laughs> City and they somehow lost yeah. their team in a, yeah, in a yeah, BS. Yeah. yeah, so I think to You're, me, the way the way the game is written with the rules, that's not a goal. No. However, I think it's a really cool way to score. <laughs> 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 and so my my proposal is that and I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I think you take that and you adjust the rules so that something like this is allowed, because I think having like a decoy runner and making the defense question themselves will absolutely lead to more goals. And everyone loves it when teams score more goals and it will make it a little bit like more exciting. Yeah. And I think this was just a really and I don't know if Marcus Rashford did this on purpose, but it was really clever if he did.
2: I don't think he did.
1: I think he realized I think he after, realized late in the yeah. play like,
2: "Oh shit. I can't <laughs> touch this
1: ball right now." Yeah. Um speaking of Rashford, there have been there's been a lot of talk about his form as of late. Yeah. Um and of how he is one of the best players in the Premier League mm-hmm. he missed two wide open shots, <laughs> like literally wide open
0: yeah, i mean he had a he had a first half where he was doing good things and he was like doing him. Correctly, right? He was he was creating the opportunities. He just wasn't there to Okay, them.
1: so why is Darwin Nunez not given that same leniency if he's missing these <laughs> shots and he's doing all of these things? Why is Rashford in the best? Look,
0: can we just hold off for like ten minutes? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm just saying. I don't have to talk about him. But like, uh, but, but, wha- but okay. So yeah. why is, um, Holland, you know, not yeah. talked about in this game with 11 touches, zero goals, zero yeah. effectiveness of the game. And, and Rashford is suddenly now the world's best player. Like he, he didn't. Ra- I think Rashford
0: is a player that ha like most people support and like Rashford, even even like they, they may not support him, but they like him. He's like
2: one of the few likable Manchester United players. He's like a universal respected, of the not bubble.
0: even player person. Yeah, mm-hmm. period. So I'm be really sad if there's a scandal involving him. But anyway, yeah, um, no, no, don't worry about don't that. Don't speak individually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so when when you talk about Erling Holland, right? Uh, this guy's on a tear. He is literally on track to become the all-time uh, <laughs> goal scorer in a season, like ever. Yeah, and it's his first season in the league. Yeah, if he misses a game people aren't going to cry for his head. I uh, know. I mean, but yeah, it, this is
1: his second game that he hasn't really done anything.
2: I, I think this story, I think like, oh, man, we're doing the thing, but like, <laughs> uh, cause like it's, it, it's again, it comes down to the media and the narratives around Manchester yeah. United. And right now Rashford is the informed player for Manchester United. And therefore he's, he's a conversation, but also like, I think deservedly. So I mean, he's got eight goals and three assists this year. Mm-hmm. He's, looked better than he's ha- looked in the last you know two three seasons and i think marcus rashford's success this year is sort of an easy um sort of signpost road marker or whatever for the growth of this team under eric ten Hogg.
0: it's a metaphor
2: <laughs> you see <laughs> yeah um so yeah, I mean I think it's it is actually notable because this United team does look good and we were dogging them so much like uh, like four, five, six game weeks ago.
1: We weren't dogging on, them on. in like I'm gonna as put a on my team hater hat right
0: now
2: for a second. We though. laughed we, at them a, we were after dogging that Brentford them, game so hard.
1: Well yeah, <laughs> they they switched managers 3 times. They had a temperamental striker who did a, a, a a PR interview, like <laughs> we were laughing at them, but not the players because they have always been this good. It just took time mm. for someone to bring it out and like faith that a manager could actually do it.
0: Well, Hank, I feel like we we're getting ahead of ourselves right now because, and this always happens with Manchester United. There, there, there are cycles, right? Mm-hmm. This, like if, with Manchester United, there is the there is the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer cycle where. It was, uh, he He did well with them for a spell and the United fans were like, oh yes, we're back. It's time, <laughs> we're challenging again. And then he dipped and then he rose again and he dipped uh, with all those Champions League games. And then we had uh, Ralph Regnick who comes in the football godfather (laughs) and he comes in he's like okay we're serious now this is gonna be it
1: (laughs) uh
0: he makes a lot of it uh you know it gives a lot of advice to the board board says cool story bro and then they just don't do anything um there is the Jose Mourinho era even earlier where it's like oh we're bringing the black magic in let's go and we get like some some you know stolid you know good old fashioned defensive football and he's like we did it with Chelsea he did it with Inter he did it with Porto we can do it with Manchester United this is a much bigger club than any of those doesn't happen so uh, ten hag is uh has a, an advantage where he comes in and he is willing to shake up the tree right he looks at what's happening with a player that did an an interview that we're not mentioning by name right now and he says i don't really see what we see in him i'm not gonna try to make him stay uh he has a benefit of especially this game of luke shaw uh who had been before 2016 a world-class left back and he's back now and he performed Brilliantly as a centre back, this yeah, What? So I, I think I think that's another big thing. It's mm-hmm. like some players are coming into form. Uh, he has had backing. He brings in on Anthony, who we do we do hate on them, him, just to be honest. But I think he I he, he does have qualities and attributes that do add value to this team. Um, he obviously still has to develop. The the point is is that th- there will come a time when we Ten hogs, little bump in form mathematically has to go back down. So I think they Manchester United are doing well right now, but I do not think they're anywhere close to a title contending team. I would no. I would even say and I think most people or some people won't agree with me on this that they aren't even a top 4 team right now. They just happen to be in the top 4.
1: This season is insane.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um so but but we but as for Marcus Rashford the Darwin Nunez. Um, <laughs> Rashford, Ra- Rashford is returning to what we thought he was several years ago. He's had a couple of rough years. So I think people are just relieved to see him back. Darwin Nunez is still an unknown quantity. Um, and chaos theorists are still trying to decipher his mathematical model.
1: His chaos. His form of chaos.
2: Every game that Darwin Nunez plays in, he encounters the prisoner's dilemma. But the difference with Darwin is that he's both of the prisoners.
0: <laughs> yes, he has multiple <laughs> Uh Quick question to you guys. Um, it, I'm, quick question to Maddie, maybe. Because yeah. I think I know Blair's answer, and I think everyone, because Blair's an Arsenal fan, so I want to ask someone who isn't looking down and seeing Manchester United on their heels.
1: Oh, no, I'm looking up at everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Arsenal... Uh, have now um, strengthened their league on the table, right? Mm -hmm. We have 47 points on 18 games played versus 39 (laughs) points on 18 games played. So we are exactly halfway through the season Mm -hmm. um, with eight points of like a bit of a safety net here. We're one game away from halfway, right? Um, I'm sorry, you're right. Some teams have (laughs) played 19. I do, I really do. Some teams. And uh, Arsenal's only lost one game. Who's that to? Manchester United. Was it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Manchester City have lost three games. One of them to Manchester United. One of them to, I believe, Newcastle.
2: They drew Newcastle three three. Yeah. They drew. It's New- a crazy game.
0: Oh no! Was it wasn't Brentford? Was it? It's not the point. The point <laughs> is, Maddie, do you do you think that eight points is enough for this to happen?
2: They lost to Liverpool. They lost to
0: Brentford. Yeah. City
1: Brentford. lost to Brentford. Yeah. Eighth Brent, place, Brent, Brentford?
0: Brent. <laughs> My question is, is eight points enough for Arsenal to see this thing through? Because we, we're, we're almost halfway through the season. We have to talk about it.
1: I, no, no. I, just based on like the chaos of this season, mm-hmm. I think literally anything can happen.
0: Do you think Arsenal will pull through? I do. Okay. Blair, do you think Arsenal will pull through? <laughs> you know he
1: doesn't want to answer this question. I know, but he
2: has to. I'm invasive about the question. I think eight points feels a lot better than five. Um,
1: nice call. All yeah, right, it
2: does. I I think five feels like the red zone. Eight feels like a green or yellowish yellow zone. Yeah, so
0: we're not we're not in the, you know first and goal. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, I think it it offers a degree of comfort and. It allows us to make some mistakes. Like, look, like, like City have lost three games, Arsenal have lost one. I do think this group is just going to drop points somewhere, um, again this season. And I really thought it would be the Spurs match, but turns out it wasn't. I um, told him. Spoiler I- alert, but I
0: told- um, people gotta people listen to it. I told
2: him. Um, Never. yeah, just his- historically, I get the form and all that, but, um, no, I mean, we've got a few matches still with against City. Uh, two in the league, one in the FA Cup, which should be a blast. Um, we still have yet to see Chelsea, Liverpool, uh, Newcastle again. So there's ample opportunity for Arsenal to drop points and for City to make up ground. So like, I don't think that it feels comfortable yet. And also just like halfway, it feels like the end of the season is still so far away.
0: It does, yeah. the 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 difference in scheduling this year, I think, is really warping people, and it's really, really, yeah, it's <laughs> really strange. I, I look, see the, the the thing that 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 I note, like as someone who looks at Arsenal as most of the time either oh we have to beat them or oh like like how's Arsenal, you know, like neutral or I want to crush them depending on the game week. Uh-huh. Um, the difference in what I think people think in their substitution lineup yeah. is the most telling thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have uh, just in the um, in in this game now. are Well, I guess we can just break into it. Arsenal two, Tottenham nil at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, Karen. <laughs> Tierney, uh, former starting left back now, a quality <laughs> substitution of the 79th minute. Um, uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu, mm-hmm. uh, right back that is playing somehow second fiddle to Ben White. Um, you can tell me more about that, Blair. That just is weird to me. Um, Fabio Vieira, a quality younger signing that shows a lot of promise. Emil Smith Rowe, another one that has been in and out but still is a very promising player. We're looking at um, Marquinhos, who uh, again is like something that might turn out, something that might not, but like a worthy kind of prospecting player that kind of deserves some first few minutes. And all of this is even without. Uh, looking, Gabriel Jesus has yet to come back and get back into form. And we know, we've seen the quality that he offers Arsenal. So I think this is another great sign that we have in who is still churning out quality games. And all of this is supported by, I think, the two transformational players this year in Gabriel Martinelli and Bukayo Saka, who have really come into their own.
2: Yeah. They've, they've, yeah. they've,
0: They've really become... Saka, I think, last year was good... The 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 momentum he is taking on this year is just leagues above, I think, these past few uh, seasons. gabriel Martinelli, I don't I, I would not have guessed that he was gonna be this good. I would if you had asked me last year, I would have not told you this is where his ceiling was. Mm. Uh and Granite Jaka is uh <laughs> is 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 you know the, the that that's another thing, the team dynamic there. Mckellar's had to coming back to just get get a hold of Jacques saying, Hey man, we, we need you to stay cool because you're about to get into a scrap and <laughs> there are so many games left to be played here. Yeah. Uh I don't know. Okay, anyway. Uh that all being said, Blair, why don't you give us and uh the listeners your Facts, your opinions, and your takeaways from the North London Derby.
2: Um, Yeah, that was a nice lead-in, Jacob. Thank you. Uh, Facts and opinions about the North London Derby. Arsenal have not won at Tottenham Stadium since 2014. This game, um, everyone... So, uh, you, you try to be logical about these things. And in this match, going into it, I did feel that we were coming into it on such a good run of form and playing so well, and we were seeing a Spurs team who are dangerous but kind of wounded at this point. And I thought, maybe this is, like, maybe we can do it this time. But you don't want, you can't, like, you know. It's like, yeah, we lose this one. This is what happens. If they lose at our place, we lose at there. This is kind of what happens. Um, and that has sort of transcended form and quality, team quality and things like this. Like, even in the doldrums of Arsenal's like rebuild, we were stable, still able to get results against Tottenham because it's a derby and the, those games just kind of bring out the best in you um so yeah sort of
0: worst depending on <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: um and so yeah I don't know I mean I kind of had these I had weird mixed feelings about it and I think what helped me in this game is I watched it without sound down which was weird but um it very much helped me to stay calm because I was very nervous and um a couple of takeaways from the game where I think two overriding feelings I had uh, were on two players. Um, one a Spurs player, one an Arsenal player. The Spurs player is uh, Hugo Lurie. He has now conceded two long-range goals against Arsenal this season. And I do feel that somewhere in our scouting report on him, the thought is, yeah, I think we can maybe do something against this guy from distance because he just can't cover the posts very well um, at his age. And I do think he really lacks some of the physicality in net these days. And he's kind of cost spurs um, in this uh, matchup this season against us. He obviously flailed on the first goal. Bukayo Saka was trying to cross the ball um, near post. And it takes a slight deflection. It's not like entirely his fault, but it hits him right in the chest. And he just sort of slaps in his own goal. So that doesn't look good. And then Martin Odegaard... It's a nice shot, for sure. It's bouncing uh, across the grass, slow and hard. Um, you know, it goes in, slots it in the right post. And uh, Laurie can't get to it. He had a couple of good moments, too. I mean, he came off his line and blocked a few close-range shots from Nketiah that would probably should have mingles. Um They were good saves. But it was really those two moments that it's just, like, really, really costly for Spurs. And um, I think he kind of let them him down in this match.
0: Do you think uh, him as a goalkeeper? Because I think if he's... In terms of news articles anyway, Glory's kind of been a trending Tottenham player because his recent retirement from the French team. yeah,
2: um,
0: you know, all-time leader in caps, I believe. yeah uh, the
2: captain of the French team.
0: Yeah, so like a, a not not an insignificant figure for arguably, maybe the best national team. Uh, in <laughs> the world, uh, depending on who you ask, you know, I mean, I Very think, much I th- I think the numbers world Cup. Yeah. probably would support the French national team, despite the recent World Cup final loss. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, plays. I think I think the, the the market difference in how we talk about the France team and Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, show that he's not he's not he's better than, I don't want to say that. He is a keeper that I think in enough. like if you ran this simulation that Mm -hmm. the matrix a thousand times, he ends up at another bigger team enough to say, okay, this guy could probably play for, I don't know, Chelsea probably play for, uh, Barcelona and, or PSG and, you know, not, and people wouldn't raise their eyebrows. No, no. Um, but, but, recent form has kind of hinted at some sort of decline in his keeping abilities. Yeah, for sure. So is, is this perhaps either a, a telltale beginning of the end or something that is just one of those magic things that happens during a title winning season Uh (laughs) where, you know, the right things happen at the right times.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's the beginning of the end and I don't I don't say that to be negative of Lurie. I just think that kind of when when you're seeing some of these, I I just had this feeling about him recently when I've watched him, where he just he just doesn't look like he has a strong base underneath him, and it feels like he's he's just kind of losing strength mm-hmm. um, in a sense. And so you need a lot of explosiveness as a keeper to dive for balls that are placed well at your posts, and. Um, It's a very athletic position that is maybe sort of underrated for the physical tools that are required to play it well these days. Um, And I think Lurie just kind of is missing some of that. And it's not that, you know, I wouldn't say that if he was any other age than 36, but given that he is pretty old, I'd say even for a keeper, um, you know, and he's showing some of these signs of decline, it does sort of feel like this is, um the beginning of the end or the middle of the end even for Lori yeah, um,
0: I, I do want to just note though, it's not like his defensive lines doing him a lot of favors. Yeah. He I even mean, yeah. Christian Romero is <laughs> I, I I I something needs to be done. I I will make it publicly known that I don't think Eric Deere is a good player. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I'm not sure what the Tottenham staff think of him. Yeah. Um, Obviously, we don't have the full picture. So, (laughs) you know, what the hell does our opinion matter? But when I look at the performances that Eric Deere puts in, I'm not inspired or I don't say, you know what? That's that's a that's a central uh, a center back that you know anchors down Tottenham's back line and like Longley's been just up and down this season and yeah. Yeah, he's just never really um, I feel like he hasn't been the same player since the 2018 World Cup but
2: he hasn't been like comically bad I thought he was gonna be like really bad I thought that was a kind of a strange signing but he's been like, he was like fine yeah um, yeah so yeah that that back line is it's weird um, you would expect them to be a Conte team to be a bit more stout. Um,
0: Uh, Maddie, I know you don't particularly like Tottenham um, from a couple of results they had against Leicester. So
1: I think I'm emotionally getting over it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we talked about them a bit in uh, the last episode, but Tottenham and uh, Conte's relationship seem to be verging from um, disappointed to contentious now. And uh, I think a lot of fans, especially Tottenham fans, are wondering whether or not he's just holding out for the sacking for the payout. Uh, is there anything here to salvage? Because con- Conte, I mean, I mean, I this will go to YouTube, Blair, but I think that there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of quality on this team, and I think they are playing below where they could be right now.
1: I mean, according to Conte, he doesn't even think they're a championship level team or ch- 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 <laughs> Champions League level team. Sorry.
2: <laughs> I say, no, no, you gotta be third, careful how yeah, I yeah, use yeah, that yeah. word. Down to a section. national league <laughs> with you guys.
1: <laughs> Tier seven, go let's play go. play with Wrexham. Um, I think it's suspiciously quiet. I it, think... It
2: does feel kind of quiet, doesn't it? I think
1: it? there are a lot of teams that are doing just as bad that there's a lot of press like, oh, watching you, where's your manager going? Like, and... and Tottenham is buttoning up, and they're like, "We're not, we're not going to say anything," and which is really, really
0: weird. Well, it's probably kind of smart, though, you know.
1: Yeah, but like, I don't think Conte wants to be a quiet kind of guy. Based <laughs> what, on what about him that. makes you say that? <laughs> Watching him at Inter, he was always like talking in the news, like even though it's not. Premier League and not what we're like, you know, podcasting about. I was still seeing him talk about the team, and I, it's it's weirdly quiet.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I do agree that that is strong. I think it's helped that um, currently Chelsea has just been soaking up all of the media attention <laughs> and the money. <laughs> they they have they have put all of the available spotlights out of their team.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh,
0: but, yeah, no, I do agree. I think um, I think people, I, I, I don't know, maybe I suspect that people either susp- uh, think that Tottenham's going to return to form or they just are uh, a little um, apathetic towards the whole situation.
1: You're just packing it in for the season, seeing where they can land and start over?
2: I think – What's notable, like Jacob talking about players in an Arsenal's team that are stepping up, like Saka and Odegaard, who's leading the team in goals this year. Um, what's notable for Spurs is the market decline of Youngman's son. Like It's the obvious elephant in the room. They've relied on him to be at or near like a golden boot, boot contending player, golden boot uh, contending player, season in and season out, and to really augment and complement Harry Kane. As the goal scoring threat, and he just hasn't been that this year, and it's hard. You, it's hard to lose that. I mean, what do you what do you do like when you suddenly fifteen to twenty goals dry up in your team? You know,
0: I I don't know if I mean it's not exactly the, uh, it's not like you flip a switch, but at some point, don't you think you, someone tells Hurricane, hey, stop dropping back so deep. We need you up front.
2: Okay, so this was my this was a, a point I was going to make because I think that we were talking about the defensive line for Spurs and. There were moments in this match where Harry Kane was literally, sorry, um, he was, like, genuinely playing left-back for, for Spurs. And I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. He was down there. And it's because of that that side of Sessegnon in long way, like, that was the obvious point where Arsenal would get in, into the box with Saka. Um, that's the weaker side, for sure. And... Harry Kane was taking it upon himself to drop all the way from his striker position to play left back to try to cover space. That's just not good. Um that's the the system not not working. He should never have to be there. <laughs> um so yeah, that was a that was a big problem. And I I agree. I mean, I, I think they just they they need to get a tune out of Kuisevsky and Son somehow. They need to, to get the um you know, sort of the cornerstone, the framework beneath their attacking line, uh, back in order.
0: Yeah. I remember how much I hyped up this front three and, uh, I Oh dude, I thought they were going to be so good. Severely, I've been severely let down. We have spent much of the segment talking about Tottenham. So let's, let's switch uh, the yeah. the topic over to Arsenal Blair. What do you, what, what's, what's going through your head there? What, um, how I see here on the doc that you have written, like really the only Ar- arsenal player that you've a- actually called out was, uh, Alexander Zinchenko
2: dude. He was crazy in this game. This guy led the team in touches, played the, did the inverted left back thing was in the midfield. 92 touches for this guy. He is, he's just so calm on the ball. Um, and he's kind of been in and on the team this year. So I, I feel like I haven't really been able to like fully enjoy the Zinchenko experience so far. Um, But man, in this game, he was just class, as they say. Um, And one thing that really struck me watching him was that he does that thing, and I don't want to (laughs) say... He does that thing that, I'll say, um, elite passers do where they don't take the first option to them that's available to them every time, the obvious option. He will uh, dribble around a bit. He'll assess... He looks at his passing lanes, and if he doesn't like what he sees, he'll try to open up the passing lane with a a dribble or two, a touch, a turn, something like this. And nine times out of ten, he finds an even better look and is able to split a few defenders and play a player into more space than the original pass would have done. And he did this time and time again in this match. Um... On top of that, he just offers so much in terms of, you know, ball retention and possession in the midfield and kind of helping Party, who was a single point of failure for a long time for this Arsenal team. Now it feels like we really have a pivot in the midfield with those two and, yeah, I mean this first half, Arsenal were just on top of it. Every single man, like to a T, they were just, the ball was zipping around the precision um, and the pace of of passing was there. Like, it was phenomenal. This might be one of the best halves I've, I've seen us play in my entire time watching Arsenal. And I think it was really, like, this would be the dictionary entry for, like, what Arsenal soccer is in 2023, is this first half.
0: This is a bit rhetorical, and I think we, mean and Maddie, know what you're going to say, but um, do you feel any, an amount of vindication that Arteta was stuck with this long to see this product finally pay off?
2: um do i feel vindicated i don't think i can claim that fully i think i've sort of wavered on, on arteta in the dark periods so i can't say that i was always backing him uh to to succeed because it felt like at points that he probably should have been fired um but uh credit to the club i guess they really stuck to their guns with him and i you know now that we're sort of uh uh, reaching the the levels uh that we dreamed of say it dreamt of right <laughs> um because like honestly for me my dream was to just see us play in the champions league and it's like oh shit like we might, might win the freaking from really doing it um which is like nuts but yeah i mean i think now the danger for the club is like you got to keep the guy like you got to do what you need to do to keep him and we'll talk about transfers but like the club's got to like make sure that they're, they're holding up the end of the bargain. Um, because I really, really think that he's, you know, one of the best managers in the world, um, right now. And yeah, I love, him. <laughs> I love him.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been really, um, I think, I think it's good cause like he's, he's really, uh, thriving now. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's always easy when the, the flow of you know whatever narrative that constantly surrounds the media machine of yeah. Premier League is going with you. Uh, I I'm I'm not, I'm not I didn't watch the game so I don't know so I'm just looking at this fought mob lineup and yeah. I see that the app has chosen Aaron Ramsdale as our player mm-hmm. of the match. Care to explain?
2: Yeah, he was really good, um, really really good. He claimed a lot of crosses and long balls. He yeah came off his line and did the the sweeper thing. Um, a few times but I think most importantly he had some saves inside of his own box Uh, one in particular there was a big young man's son chance that he snuffed out I think I'm not sure I need to check the replay but he looked like he might have been offside Um, but the play progressed and the save was made nonetheless and um, I believe it came at a pretty pivotal point like it was early in the second half I want to say um, so yeah, there were, there were a few moments where he made some really exceptional saves and I think he had just like a really solid all around keeper performance and, um, perhaps he was helped a bit by being compared to Tottenham's keeper performance and what that did for them.
0: Do you know what Charleston was chirping at him?
2: I don't, um, and I actually, w- before we just started recording, I saw that there's some more video angles over Charleston, uh, running after him at the, uh, at full time. I think so. Like everyone, everyone knows that, you know, Aaron Ramsdale loves to chat shit as they say, uh, with the away fans and he feeds off of that. The guy, he just, he loves it. The more mean things you say to him, the stronger he gets, <laughs> um, and so like it's it sounded like he was maybe going to get his water bottle behind the net after the game and he was kind of, you know, jawing at the away fans and Richarlison took exception to this. Okay, okay. So
0: Okay, cool. He, that that seems called for then. Um, he said
1: yeah. Richarlison said that um when Arsenal scored either the first or second goal. He was celebrating with the Tottenham fans, and that was disrespectful to the Tottenham fans.
2: (laughs) I think disrespect was intended in that case. I I
0: saw a video going around of Kepa, Going behind his goal to get a ball from the fans and like just put it back into play, and I assume Chelsea were winning because every time the fans would throw him the ball, he would just punch it back to them. <laughs> <laughs> so the fans were getting really frustrated. He was like, "Hey, let's get the let's get the play going." And he was just punching it back every time. Uh, I thought that was really funny. Anyway, yeah, so big, 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 big uh, derby weekend. I think here with the yes. two, the two. Um, just, just two very large uh, derbies with with four uh, very large fan bases. Um, large, large fan base. Large. large derbies with <laughs> some large boys. Large. <laughs> <laughs> massive, massive results all around. Um, we have on uh, docket item three uh, some transfer talk. <laughs> Um, we can, I, I'll, I will let, uh, you guys choose the next topic. Uh, we can talk about the transfer talk uh, or we can talk about the, uh, Liverpool Brighton game.
1: Do you want to talk about the Liverpool game? I asked both. of
0: you Whether or not. We Jacob can.
1: didn't even make it through the entire game.
0: Um, I, I
1: did. I made it through the game.
0: Um, but
1: well, it, we can do a little transfer talk. I think there's, we didn't get to it last week and, okay. There's uh, some bigger uh, well, uh, ones. Uh, then,
0: then, uh, then at the very least, uh, shout out to Brighton. Uh, yeah. Shout out to some real ones. Uh,
1: does Deserby deserve all of the Desert accolades? Be?
0: Does Deserby deserve dessert? Be
1: Ooh, does he deserve dessert?
0: If only if he finishes dinner. Be. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Three goals from Brighton, Sully March um, and Danny Welbeck being the also. I mean Sully March really, but dude, dude.
2: that Welbeck goals. Yeah, boy, the touch and turn was class, man. Fantastic. Um, The brilliant only observation I have from this match is that uh, Brighton is uh, continue your run, FC. They're, They're they what they love to do is pass to a guy. And then that guy one twos it back to the guy who passed it to him originally that's their that's their bread but, and butter that's,
0: man. that's the thing that's the thing when you say that it sounds so simple, but what they have going is such a fantastic system, and it just looks fant. Mm-hmm. it looks wonderful mm-hmm. uh Karamitoma, yeah, holy shit yeah. so glad he I bought ran him. this game
2: <laughs> he's really good dude if honestly, if uh speaking of transfers, I would I would pay a lot of money for Matoma. I would pay a lot of money for Matoma.
0: Yeah, respectfully, I think our midfield needs more refreshing than yours, so (laughs) Um, anyway. We don't want to compare teams. Speaking of refreshing transfer talk, so let's talk about this Mudrick guy. Um, Anybody, I I saw that... He looks depressed. (laughs) Blair, as someone who uh, whose club was looking at this guy and who I, you I offered ninety five
1: million guess, fucking dollars for, <laughs> I guess not looking, actively pursuing. Yeah, I
0: guess the transfer was basically over the finish line before Chelsea decided to swoop in and like helicopter rescue copter him out of there. Um, what what happened here? Um. So,
2: here is my view on transfer markets let's oh get, let's roll our sleeves up all right <clears throat> yeah've I've heard a few things about economics um, don't markets assume that like be, uh, actors within them are behaving rationally is this a correct statement Jacob
0: markets yeah assuming um, everything about the stock market points to absolutely not <laughs> okay so <laughs> but maybe I don't I know understand your point uh, in that when we talk about macroeconomics we assume that firms choose rational decisions based on price points okay the flexibility of products
2: yes okay so uh i don't think that's describing chelsea's (laughs) current transfer strategy um and it became kind of a meme in the summer because it felt like we were constantly going after the same players and it's like oh todd bully just like looks over at our scouting sheets and is like oh we'll take that player Uh, um but like the thing is, is that Chelsea are willing to pay full price and they'll, d- they'll do it up front. And so what Arsenal are having, we're trying to do, it seems was negotiate a deal where there's some upfront fee in, you know, how, you know, how they amateur these things over years. And then they have bonuses and the bonuses are like the player scores a goal, $5 million. The player wins the the door, $5 million um and so some of them can be very attainable some of them can be very outlandish and so i think that's a way of trying to sweeten the pot but also like trying to save money um if it doesn't work out so there's a bunch of uh, risk mitigation um and to shaktar's credit they played this perfectly like they played both clubs they got a bidding war like they wanted they got the price that they asked for they got it upfront and they're called that they desperately needed money. They lost a ton of players and the war broke out, um, for free because the FIFA ruling, um, there was just a recent ruling that they wouldn't be given. I think they were claiming like $40 million in like losses or damages or whatever, because of that, um, by FIFA, they, they lost that. So they needed the money for sure. And, um, Mudrik's their guy, Mikhailo Mudrik. Um, he looks like a pretty talented young guy. Um, very, very, very fast. But, uh,
0: as far as just just for the those who are unaware, goes, who, who is this player?
2: He is a winger, particularly a left winger, uh, for Shakhtar Donetsk. He is twenty-two, um, very quick fellow. He's really only burst onto the scene uh, in Ukraine over like the last season. He hasn't played a ton. I think maybe he has twenty or less um, appearances as a, or a starter for Shakhtar. Um, he's had some great performances in the. Uh, Champions League, notably a performance that garnered him a standing ovation from the fans at the Bernabeu. Um, he is an impressive-looking player. Um, the stats guys don't seem to love him, to be honest. Uh, I think there's a lot of questions about translation from the Ukrainian League to the Premier League, but you know, I think he has a very interesting skill set. And, you know, Chelsea... Uh, I guess they could use all the attackers they can get at the
0: moment. <laughs> Maddie, in your opinion, uh, was it eight, eight years, eight and a half? Uh, what what sort of player would you sign for eight and a half years? Would it be a nineteen-year-old uh, potential from a tertiary league, <laughs> or would it be someone like, um, I don't know, Harvey Barnes?
1: Uh, um, I think. If I had to pick, it would be somebody probably uh, young from the Bundesliga.
0: Okay, yeah. Say Jude Bellingham, maybe
1: a a one Jude <laughs> Bellingham. Yeah, to Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. For, That's yeah. for
0: uh, <laughs> for four hundred million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: I uh, have you seen pictures of Mudrick in the Chelsea?
0: I have seen the memes. Yes, he
1: just looks so. He's got. He's got this tattoo right on his
0: neck yeah it says only
2: jesus and then
0: it said like uh (laughs) something about
2: uh
0: talent talent works hard or something like that Uh oh
2: here's the thing here's my thing about mudrick and why i think he'll probably be a star he has some of the dumbest tattoos i've ever seen in my life (laughs) um he's got this one tattoo on his leg and it says again over and over repeating down his leg but with each successive repetition of the word again, as you get lower, the letter a at the start fades a bit. And by the end, it just says gain.
0: That's Um, some Facebook shit. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
2: There's
1: a daily star UK article on his tattoos. Uh, He says, dear God, if today I lose my hope, please remind me that your plans are better than my dreams. And then he's got a giant soccer ball. I don't think it's a pigeon, but it looks like a pigeon with a heart. Um, he has. A, is that a heart tattoo on his face, or is that just pen? It looks like pen. It's just pen.
0: Um, um, yeah. So, I'm, back to the back to the point at hand, though. Um, <laughs> but, but, this less more about Mudrick, more about Chelsea itself. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea have now uh, spent close to four hundred million dollars. Um, I think so it's far. over that now. In total, this season this on, year, yeah. on transfers
2: or yeah season i should say
0: um a lot of them being being injected with a certain amount of american cultural practices with <laughs> these baseball length contracts yeah uh that and
2: she lay seven years seven and a half years
0: it's it's some it's it's quite i think you know to to American like to to us three as Americans who have grown up seeing this kind of stuff I don't think in a like it, when looking at these transfers they're like alarming but if I am to put myself in the shoes of someone who has only grown up in the UK or you know in a country like Germany Spain whatever that only really does football and I don't know cricket and rugby pretty much um, these contract lengths, would probably boggle my mind. <laughs> imagine quite like, imagine signing a baseball player for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Like hockey and baseball contracts can be like a decade. Yeah. yeah. It's just a ridiculous amount of time. And I'm wondering what's go. Cause bully stepped down as sporting director, mm-hmm. right? He took that. He took the front office like point man position when he initially you know, bought into the club, and now he's taking a step back. On paper, anyway, uh, is is this is this a direct result from Bowie just sending an email saying you should sign this guy, sign him for ten years, and then the the guy, the, the actual transfer board having to talk him down to like seven and a half?
2: <sighs> yeah, is this
0: strike? Because I don't think anyone in the industry would do this.
2: It it feels like that at least the early indications would suggest that. No matter what Bowley's official title is at Chelsea, aside from being the owner of the place, um, his imprint will be on how the club is run and how it manages itself. It's kind of like Jerry Jones at the Cowboys. Like, he has got all these people, got all these coaches, but like, when the guy likes somebody, he's going to try to go for him. And like, that's just how he does it. He's a he's, he wheels and deals. And I, I feel like there's an element of some like sort of. Base level narcissism with these guys, where it's like, yeah, I'm I'm the smartest one in the room. But, um, I I find it sort of interesting. I mean, as a as a experiment, I guess. But I don't know. I think the I think it's interesting. I mean, like, why? What is the incentive for Chelsea? Like, they I guess can keep their wage structure in place for longer or like more guaranteed. I I don't know. I don't really understand. It's, is it preserving, I guess, preserving their investment? Like they're buying young players or putting them on long-term contracts. Maybe they're hoping that by year four or five, they will, because they're spending so much money. Like Moondrick's a hundred million. What do you imagine you're going to get for him in five years if you're going to try to sell him? You know, I have no idea,
0: it's, it's not like they're easing into this. No. It's, it, Cause like the, the sensible thing would be like to trial a player on that contract. Right. If you're, if I guess if you're thinking in terms of like financial health and like actual, unfortunately long-term gains for, uh, for a club owner, you don't just do it all at once. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to kind of, ease into these things and they've done now Badishile and Mudra, two young guys on ridiculous numbers. There's a chance that they could peter out and their careers could go into the dumpster. You know um
1: you'd think they'd learn their lesson from Lukaku, honestly. <sighs> <sighs> They're still paying that one off.
2: Catching strays. <laughs> no, but I mean it's kind of it's kind of fair point. Yeah. Um i think they put i don't know what Kukurea's deal was but didn't they put fofana on quite a long contract too like six mm-hmm. years or so? five
0: or
1: six yeah. Years, yeah yeah don't worry he'll be out for like at least four of them with a torn <laughs> acl maybe two uh, or three more early pounds.
2: returns on that one are
0: not looking good uh, speaking of early returns you all know felix got a red card
1: <sighs> those are some great returns baby <laughs>
0: wow talk about lighting money on <laughs> fire that
2: is just phenomenal oh. Chao Felix uh. giving the most, I don't give a fuck, tackle you've ever seen in like the 60th minute of this game. They ended up losing to Fulham, mm-hmm. which is...
0: Tim Ream, story. baby! Yes. Yeah. So, uh, admittedly, I think uh, he was leading the team and shots he had a great game actions so it's not like he wasn't it's not like he was having a bad game he just just all went south (laughs) so quickly yeah (laughs)
1: just (laughs) forgot
0: he couldn't do that in the premier League. well i think a lot of people were saying a true simeon disciple (laughs) right there because can't take the dog out of him (laughs) that's some that's some sunday league stuff and i think that you know obviously the the obvious takeaway here is that well he's he's gonna be out for three basically three and a half games if you count the one he played and yeah. he's he's all his wages are being paid by Chelsea. I think it's $11 billion for like 18 games or something like that. He can't play in the Champions League, so it's all like a very specific thing for a player whose profile is way too markedly similar to Kai Havertz and who occupies a similar space on the field as to Mason Mount, so I'm not <laughs> sure what this Chelsea offensive line is going to look like, but with their current injury roster, who else are they going to play? There's a lot of questions being asked by Chelsea and the only answer they have is this Money. bag of cash.
1: Mm-hmm. Take the money i kind
2: of feel as though potter may have taken the wrong job i think this has potential to be kind of catastrophic for him i think they're going to ride it out with him i don't think he's going to be fired okay. although i can't really recall what here's, i said here's last week.
1: my thing
0: if, if chelsea come a knocking do you ignore them
2: no no no, no. um no, no, no. If Chelsea
1: I, come knocking, but if Todd Bowley comes knocking for Chelsea, <laughs> holding a bag of cash and saying, you should take the job yeah. for 10 years.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, I would definitely take the bag for sure. Like, I'll take I'll take all the embarrassment I can get for that much money. I will debase yeah. myself for $60 million or whatever. But, like, um, I think, like, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, like, we, we all said, like, it was right for him to take the job, I think. But, like... It seems that he's finding himself in a difficult situation to sort of make his stamp as a manager of Chelsea because Top bully feels like he has so much influence on all fests of the club at the moment. And there were rumors that like they were suggesting to Mujic that he would be like guaranteed a starting position and things like this. I don't know if they're true, but if you know those sorts of things do come to light and like come to fruition or whatever. That's just like very bad, <laughs> um, because now you're in a situation where you're a grand Potter who's viewed as one of the better tacticians in, in um, the in the league, and a promising up and coming uh, English coaching talent. You're in a situation where you've got this wheeling and dealing. Uh, american stepping in which, which, telling which. telling him like how he should run his 443 and
0: it's literally like it's like proving some of the memes true yeah it's like the american businessman coming in and just like being the loudest guy in the room
1: it's hard to form a team bond and a team like mentality when your team switches every day when your team grows and gets injured within 24 hours <laughs> they now have a full 11 that's out injured and they're still bringing in another like more players how do you build yeah. a team that's going to work and function together and grow together then uh, with with new people coming in
2: it, it is it is very strange at the moment they their injured players would be like one of the best teams in the Premier League probably. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you just look at it, Christian Pulisic, Armando Broia, um, Raheem Sterling, Zhao Felix, who's on a red card. Um, these are all attackers. They bought Omari Harts- Hutchinson. They've got Carney Chukumeca, um, Mason Mount, Hakim Ziyech, Havertz. They now have Mudrik. They have Connor Gallagher. Um, I and
0: mean, Kula Ball is injured too. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: I, I was kind of I was kind of mixing things in here, but there's some injuries. There's some players that are just on the bench some players that haven't lewis starting. hall
1: got injured last week hamstring injury yes
2: yes um they have a bunch of attackers they just bought this david datro Fafana fella mm-hmm. um
1: the first Fafana didn't work out they figured they'd <laughs> go for the second one
2: so they have like eight guys for three four positions yeah. um and i feel like now they have these young guys it's like oh, i mean like Moodrick's 22 amari hutchinson Chikomenka. these guys are like early 20s it seems like a kind of a bad deal to be going there at this point, you know? There's a lot
1: We're of not gonna get playing time.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think if you're a young player and you're you've got aspects to move beyond the current team that you're like a central figure in, I think if Chelsea come knocking, then you gotta really consider whether or not the bag is worth the future dividends your it might pay to your career. Yeah. And in terms of like, I think uh, to me, the biggest thing was like cardin Chukwomenka who basically forced this move from Villa to Chelsea. Yeah. I think ultimately uh, at this point in time, that seems like the wrong move. Chelsea are making a lot of, they're really, if if it was a boat, they're rocking it. And <laughs> I don't know if it's going to capsize or if it's just going to continue sailing. This seems like a tried and true, stereotype of chelsea now where they just kind of wildly flail around and somehow it works out you know occasionally but to me some of the things they're doing right now and the amount of money they're spending it's just a lot of red flags
2: yeah and i think to like not to drag this conversation on too long but there is i think a degree to which clubs have to sort of be like good corporate citizens within like you know how they interact with each other and uh how they conduct themselves uh, in their business like obviously this is a very much doggy uh, dog dog league uh it's sport there's tons of money involved like all that bullshit but like the way that Chelsea reportedly were approaching Enzo Fernandez and Benfica I mean they just it seems like they really burned a bridge there and it seems like they don't really care, but, like, I don't know. I mean, some of those things could come start to come back to bite them. So, I mean, that'd be, like, another thing to watch for sure.
1: They have outspent uh, the second highest spending team by 200 million, 200 million euros.
0: Yeah. I, it's, They're and, at
1: 439, and, I, and United is at 227.
0: Yeah, there's there's no way they sign another person, is there? Like, another big signing, like... Mm-hmm. Like a like a twenty million or more because like that was a hundred and five. I
2: don't know. Yeah, for one player. I mean, there's rumors of Caicedo, but like we'll see. You know. I mean,
1: who do you who do you think is the team that spent the least
2: in in this year?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I don't. Lester haven't bought anyone. Well, they bought Vout. How much is Vout again? We're
1: at fucking fifteen million. <laughs> Let's go, baby. <laughs> Number Let's go. twenty. Let's go.
0: Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. Okay. I'm gonna ask both of you. Uh. In one. In one sentence. Thoughts. One sentence. One. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's just uh, Valtvig Horst to <laughs> Manchester United as an emergency striker replacement. Maddie, go.
1: Seemed like he really wanted this deal and he pushed for it.
0: Blair, go. I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Um, I think he will surprise. Anyway. I just love the big lumps, man.
2: <laughs> throw, the, throw all the big fellas up there. See what they can do.
0: I think that concludes uh, everything we've got, Maddie. I know you added some Wolves players here, but I'm looking at the timestamp.
1: Oh, I I was just going to say Wolves sitting lower on the table have recalled six of their players from loan. Interesting.
0: Calling it, uh, emptying the weapons cache. Yeah, they're like bringing bringing it it
1: back home. Got to bring
0: our boys home. Can't develop. Got to stay up. Got to float. So, yeah. Okay. uh, I think that's everything from us. Uh, Kind of a busy week. Uh, Back next weekend with more action, more intrigue, more drama.
2: Hell yeah, baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Have a good week.
2: Cheers.